0: Amen. Amen. Everybody said amen. God bless you. Maybe you're seated. Maybe you're seated. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me today to Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40. Gonna read a few verses, verses 28 through 31. Very well known passage, probably one of my favorite. Passages in the book of Isaiah. Been talking about being an overcomer. Remember last week we brought in, of course, Scott's story. We were talking about his overcoming faith, yet all the while praying for, believing for, asking God for one result, for one end, which was the healing of his son Bo. And of course, you heard his story last week, where out of that of course, God took his son to be with him in heaven. He's still alive. He's, in fact, alive now more today than ever before. Uh, Scott, Brittany, and the family, and you and I, if we go to heaven, we're going to see him again. Amen? And so th- to know that there is a blessed hope, the reality is, is we have to have an overcoming faith, which is not undoubtedly a place of just arrival. In other words, having overcoming faith doesn't mean that you have arrived and that you are therefore in the place of exemption to trials and difficulties in this life. No, 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 it doesn't mean that at all. It means that you have a different perspective on where you are in your life, why things are going the way that they are, and looking to Jesus, who is the overcomer of our faith. He is the one who brought about this faith that we can have in Him, the finished work of the cross. Of course, John 16 and 33 says it this way. Jesus says, these things have I spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world, He says, you will have tribulation. And watch this. Notice that He says you might have peace, meaning it's really up to you if you choose to have the peace in Christ. But notice the verse there. He says, but I I've spoken to you this way that you might have peace in the world. You shall, you will, you can count on it. It is a definitive truth that you will have trials and tribulation. But I love this. He says, but be of good cheer. Watch this. For I, Jesus says, have overcome the world. And if we be in Christ, guess what? We are a joint heir with Christ, not only to the riches of heaven, but to the riches, the Bible says, on earth as it is in heaven. We can live in overcoming faith now. And watch this. And I believe this to be true today. We can rise above the stresses of this life. In fact, I want to bring a message to you today entitled Overcoming Stress. How many of you have stressful lives? How many of you deal with stress every day? Every one of you need to get... Some of you didn't raise your hand because you were so stressed that if you raised your hand, you were going to become stressed out. That's just the way we are. The truth is this. I would say probably statistically, as I was looking through, and there's several of them, some say more than this, 89% of all Americans, man, woman, boy, or girl, literally live under chronic stress in their life. Amen? Amen? And I'm going to tell you something, guys. Here's what I believe to be true. I told the guys up there this morning, I believe that you can overcome that stress. I was uh, unfortunate enough as a father, as a dad, to see my son, who's upstairs running stuff. What's up, dog? Yeah, there you go. Peace out. Who asked, answered a call to preach the gospel back in June. And with that, he started going through what I understood perfectly well is an attack of the enemy. That when you step into a place where you say, all right, God, here I am, use me, one of the first things that God has to do in your life, whether it be you just giving your life to Jesus, whether it be you just got baptized, whether it be you accepted a position as a deacon, as a pastor, or whether you just drew the proverbial line in the sand and say, from this point forward, though he slay me, yet shall I trust in him. I'm going to serve him with all that I am, all that I have. I'm going to give it over to the Lord. Can I tell you something? At that moment, you are going under the test. You're really entering into, and you might as well embrace, the the, the difficulties that you're going to begin to experience. Hear me, though. But you can be an overcomer in Christ. I had to watch my son go through this just tumultuous times of just the rigidness, the rigor of dragging through, not being able to eat, not being able to sleep. All of the results of stress are the things that we're dealing with physically in our body. I hope you know that. And I started seeing him lose weight. And I started seeing him go through these things. And he shared that with you guys. He shared that on Wednesday night. He shared it on Sunday night, I believe. And, and just to say, that, watch this. I see him coming out of that now. Why would a good God who loved me, who lived a perfect, sinless life in the person of Jesus, allow me, who he loves greater than anything, to go through that? I'll tell you why. Because it's a choice that you and I make to grab on to stress, to fear, to worry, or the antithesis of that, which is grab on to the finished work of the cross and say I refuse to be moved because of the world's economy because I am situated I am grounded I am rooted in the person of Christ Jesus and the finished work of the cross it's a choice that we make and I believe that to be true I just looked out Sherry welcome home from Russia glad you're here appreciate you going and serving the Lord abroad appreciate you so much being back with us text today is Isaiah chapter 40 powerful powerful passage of scripture listen to what he says i love the words here isaiah the prince of the prophets if you will have you not known he said have you not heard the everlasting god comma the lord the creator of the ends of the earth isn't it awesome how he poetically prefaces where he's going in the verses to follow he says watch this creator of the ends of the earth Neither, watch this, neither he faints nor is he weary or his understanding is unsearchable. Stop. Pause. He just bragged on, declared on the glory of God, the majesty of God, the power of God, the unfailing effort, relentless love of God. And then watch what he does. He gives power to the weak. By the way, that's you and I. Then watch what he goes on to say. And to those who have no might, he increases strength. Aren't you glad? Say amen even the youth, young people you're not exempt, even the youth shall faint and become weary, and the young men, they shall utterly fall, watch this, verse 31, here's the big crescendo, here's your aha moment, wrap your heart around this, here is our blessed hope but to those who wait upon the the Lord shall renew their strength, they shall mount up like wings of eagles, they shall run and not be weary, they shall walk and not faint, glory to God, hallelujah in the highest, that is our hope, you don't have to be stressed out, you don't have to be broken and live in the mulligrubs of life. I'm going to tell you something, guys. It is literally the choice that you make to grab on to self or to grab on to a holy God. I'm going to give you three principles this morning that I believe will help you in overcoming stress in your life. Number one, there is a problem. There's a problem of stress. If you look into the verses there in 28 through 30, he says, have you not known? Have you not heard? And he goes on declaring on God. And then in verse 29, he gives power to the weak. There is a great God. There is a weak person. And here's the reality. The two characters in this particular storyline is simply the irreducible truth of everything that evolves around this world. There's what? There's God. There's the sovereign, almighty God. The El Shaddai. He is the God who created the heavens and the earth and the fullness thereof. He is in the beginning God. He's in the end God. He's Alpha. He's Omega. He's the pioneer and the finisher of our faith. He's all points in between. But watch this. We don't realize the four greatest attributes of God literally draw a line to who you and I are. It's God who reached down and grabs your heart. It's Jesus who came to you and pursued you. It is He today who we gather under the banner of it is not about Northridge it is not about Mark it is not about you it is about Jesus why? there's only two characters in the world and watch this he's omnipresent he's here today aren't you glad? But guess where else he is? He's anywhere that any church, any person, man, woman, boy, or girl were gathered together, two or three in my name. He says, I'm in the midst of them. He can be across town. Can I tell you? He's not just moving in this church. He's moving in any church who will open the doors to a sovereign God and say, come in, let me sup with you and you with me. Never leave me nor forsake me. Show me who you are that I may know you, that I may lift up your name, that your name Jesus may be famous among the nations. He's omnipresent. Guess what else he is? He's omnipotent. He's an all powerful God. There's nothing that my God can't do. Heard one time say, Can God build a rock too big that he can't lift? First of all, stupid question, because that goes against the character of God. He's not just a goofy God sitting up there going, Let me see what I can do today. Let me disrupt Tim Knight's life today. Let me do this. Let me just throw this into the equation. Whoa, what are they going to do? He's not like that. Mamas and daddies, listen to me. If your kid asked for bread, you wouldn't give him a serpent, you wouldn't give him a thorn bush. Your God is greater and better and more pleasing and wants exceedingly, abundantly, above what you can ask, think, or fathom. He wants greater for you than what you want for yourself. If you ask Him, He already is sitting there going, you have no clue how much I want to do for you because He's an omnipotent God. He overcame death, hell, and the grave. Jesus said that. I have overcome the world. Death couldn't hold Him. The grave couldn't stop Him. Satan and all his ploys are a literal joke to Christ and can be a joke to you and I if we operate in the auspices of the power, the deutamos, the dynamite, explosive power that comes by way of the cross. Acts eight. he said, you will receive power to be my witnesses. Guys, let me tell you something. We got into a debate the other night, if you will, on Wednesday night. What about those people that have never heard the gospel, Derek? What about those people that live in the far corners of the earth? Are they going to live? As, are they going to go to heaven or hell? Can I tell you something? If you and I don't tell them their blood is on our hands, we have to tell them about Jesus we can't sit back and go well I just don't really think that's a good God can I tell you something oh he's a great God he's a mighty to save God he is the beginning and the end God he's made a way for you and I to go out to to declare to proclaim the message of hope in a lost and dying world he's a great God he's not only omnipresent and omnipotent he is omniscient he knows all things he knows what you need before you ask of it in fact the Bible says we don't know how to pray some of us are great prayers I'll admit I've heard some of you guys pray, and I feel like heaven and earth moves when you pray. But if I really marry that together with Scripture, the Bible says you don't know how to pray. You don't even know what to ask for. See, the omniscience of God steps him into the persona of our intercessor. That as I'm praying, watch this. Some of you have prayed, God, let me get that job. Let me get that job. God, that job will set me free. That job will be lucrative. It will help my family. And you know what? You might be right. But Jesus may be sitting in heaven, sitting there to the Father making intercession, saying, don't give him that job. Do you know why? Because it may make him high-minded. It may make him prideful. It may pull him out of church. It may enter him into an infidelity relationship. God knows more what you need than you know for yourself. But you got to trust Him. Stress, oftentimes, is me just not trusting God. Stress is predicated on me. Watch this. Some of you in this room are trying to work in and fix relationships. Can I tell you something? Quit being stressed out about that because I want to tell you, and this is where I live for a long time. I was a controlling person, not a place to say amen right there, baby. Okay, just let me share my heart. This is my sermon. I was a controlling person. But do you know what that really equated to in my mind? It meant that I wanted to handle things. I wanted to take care of things. I wanted to make sure the family was okay. I wanted to bring home the money. I wanted to make sure the kids were fed and clothed and, and my wife could homeschool them because God didn't call me to do that. But I wanted to be the guy who could say, this is the way it ought to be. But guess what? I was pushing my wife away because I was trying to dictate Not only my life, my kid's life, but her life and anything that was in between. But watch this. I became stressed out when those things didn't fall in place. Guys, you know what I'm talking about. We are mission. Do you know that's why we can't go shopping? It makes no sense to a man who is wired based on a mission-minded mindset. Let me tell you why. If my wife says we're going shopping, I want to take out my notebook and go, what are we looking for? What color is it? What size is it? And when I find out what it is, I don't care if that store's in the far end of the mall, I go, Tommy, I'm going to go grab it. See, we were driven that way. We want to go get it, conquer it, bring it back, baby. <sighs> I got it. And then, you know what? She says, That's not really what I wanted. That's what you said you wanted. See, because for my wife, shopping means going with her mom, her sister, her cousin, my daughter, my daughter-in-law, and all these people, which used to be Black Friday, which is now like Black Tuesday. They leave it like Tuesday at noon. I don't even know what that means anymore. And they leave, and they're gone for days on end. They don't eat. They don't drink. They come back in like zombies. And I go, what would you get? She goes, nothing, but it was awesome. Awesome. That stresses me out. However, the, the other side of that coin when I was a younger man, I, I wanted to take my. I love to hunt. I absolutely love to hunt. And guess what, guys? I don't have any deer on my wall. I don't care. I don't need a deer looking over my shoulder over the wall. It freaks me out anyway. But I love to hunt. I love to eat the meat. I mean, I harvest it for that reason. I love It's conquering for me to go claim the, the, the harvest. And that's biblical, by the way. And claim the harvest and to, to process it and, and, and feed it to my family. I have created meal, you know, that kind of thing. But guess what i can go to the i can go to the woods 20 below raining sideways and i can sit in my deer stand and just sit there and i start crying i'm like this is awesome look at that squirrel oh my god there's a woodpecker and i don't see nothing And I get home, and and, and Stephanie's like, where's the deer? I I didn't see a thing. How was it? And I go, it was amazing. Because, see, I had to tell my children early on, hunting like her shopping trip. Hunting doesn't mean getting. I'm not going getting. I'm going hunting. I'm looking for a deer, and I don't see a deer. I just look at the glory of God. I'm not kidding, y'all. I do. I love it out there. But guess what? We don't understand the mind even of our husband and wife. And that becomes the disconnect between you and God. You don't understand the mind of God. Why would a good God allow me to be stressed out? First of all, it's because I'm just a controlling person. And I need to let go and let God be God. Consider also he's an omnibenevolent God. He can't not love you. That should be liberating to some of us because some of us are very unlovable. God loves you in spite of you. God loves you because of Jesus. How about that? God even loves the Alabama fan. I'm not kidding. I kid you not. Stephanie, I see you sitting back there. I, yeah, whatever. Roll Tide. <laughs> Just had to throw that in there. Roll Tide. <laughs> <clears throat> Let me give a verse to you real quick. Let's bring it back spiritual. Go dogs. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. When you're stressed, you become, hear me, you become vulnerable to the enemy's devices. Did you know that? Matter of fact, if you look at the reaping, sowing and reaping paradigm, you create fertile ground for difficulty, for, for hurt, for, for all this stuff when you're stressed. You better throw that junk down. You better lay it at the feet of Jesus. Here's a verse, 2 Corinthians 10, 5. Casting down imaginations. Watch this. Listen to this. Don't miss this. And every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. What is he talking about, Mark? I think he's talking about worry. I think he's talking about uh, absence of faith. I think he's talking about stress. I think he's talking about control. And listen to how he paints that picture. He says, it has become a high thing, an idolatrous, worshipful God in your life that you have placed between you and the knowledge of God. Why? Because here's what I believe to be true unequivocally. I've been in stress situations. I, I, I could be very stressed right now. couldn't a brother Doug. But let me tell you something, we got to build a building, we're going to be presenting that to you in a few weeks, we got to do this, we got to think about rush, we got to pray about this, I got a grandbaby, everybody in my family is getting pregnant. I mean, I got all these stressful things, and I'm like, you know what, God, I'm not stressed about it, why? Because I know you got it. And I'm not saying that being facetious, I'm not a worrier. And when I do wake up, Kim, in the morning, I tell you, I told Steph this, I wake up on Sunday morning, man, I'm freezing to death, I'm shaking, and and I love it. You know why? Because it's the hugeness, the vastness of knowing that I'm a human man, that if I come up here and stand and operate under my guidelines, under my power, under my knowledge and wisdom, I will completely and utterly fail you. But if I come through that door, and I go upstairs and I pray, and they pray over me, we pray over you, and I come down here and I go, God, empty me out, speak to your people, then I don't have anything to worry about. There's no stress in my life and they don't have to be stress in your life casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God, watch this, and bringing everybody say bringing grabbing, everybody say grabbing bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ Deuteronomy 25 as the band comes Deuteronomy chapter 25. Don't worry about these guys that are moving. I don't want you to miss this. Deuteronomy chapter 25, I believe it is. Amalek stood in the valleys, in the peripherals, as, as the children of Israel were walking across the wilderness. And Amalek, the Bible says in Deuteronomy 25 and following, that he stood waiting. He's watching for the weak ones. He's watching for the stressed out ones. He's watching for those that are lagging behind to take them, to overrun them. Guys, there's a principle there. God is looking, seeking out over the earth those who would believe Him at His word, those who would diligently seek after Him. The Bible says in Hebrews, He is the rewarder of those who diligently seek after Him. Are you diligently seeking after Him? Or are you just throwing up a whim of prayer? God, move today. And if you don't move, you turn back and say, What's the point? Diligently, continually, fervently, effectually, sincerely, are you doing that? Because that's what God's looking for. And if you're not, then you're just like those children of Israel who are walking in the murmur of the wilderness journey. Do you know that millions, if you will, looking at the generation, did not enter the promised land? Only because of their murmuring. God does not like a murmur. All the people of God say amen. God doesn't like a naysayer. A naysayer is a person who failed at doing what God has called you to do and they will not relent, they will not let it go. Can I tell you something? They have no audience in my spirit because I know what God has called me to. And I don't need anyone to confirm that and yet no one can rob me of that. You see, here's the reality. The animal kingdom works the same way. Did you know that? Out on the African plains, the, the, the animals, the, pre, the predatory cats, they're smart. They look among the, the wildebeest, among the gazelle, and, and they look out and they see the weak one. is lagging behind. That's not purposed in his looking around, the way he drinks water. And the enemy is looking into your home, mamas and daddies. And he's looking for the weak point of entry. And we've gotten so stinking cavalier about that. We have become so blind to the fact that the enemy wants your children. He wants your marriage. He wants your church. He wants your pastor. He wants, your ch- he wants everything you got. And yet I choose to not be stressed. You see, here's the reality: stress creates a worry. Worry creates ulcers and creates a lack of appetite. And you you worry and you stress. I tell couples that I'm, that I'm getting ready to marry and I pre premarital counseling and I see uh I, I see Stephen and Caitlin over there get married this month and several others in, in this room perhaps. That, and, and you know what? Don't worry. Don't worry about the, the ceremony. Is the, are the flowers going to be perfect? Is the wedding going to be perfect? Is this going to be right? Is this, at the end of the day, you're going to be married. That's it. You got enough to worry about with that. But anyway. <laughs> Sorry. I'm just kidding. No, I'm not. But, but here's the thing. Stress and worry creates problems between me and my My, my wife. Stress creates differences between me and my friend. Between me and you. You and me. There was a, there was a woman who w- went to a hairdresser. And, and if you go to a ha- beautician, I know some of you in here are hairdressers. And, and I'm sure you probably hear more testimonials than I do as a pastor. You hear everybody's stuff. I get it. Because I do that with my hairdresser. I tell her everything. And this woman became complacent, and she was really just negative. I mean, just, oh, my gosh, everything. She became cynical about life and everything. And this woman went in, and she said, uh, yeah, I'm getting ready to go on a trip. She says, where are you going? She says, I'm going to Rome. She says, oh, my gosh, Rome. Oh, so overrated. Rome is like the dirtiest city I've ever been in. I mean, literally, dirtiest city. The food was terrible, blah, blah, blah. How are you getting there? I'm flying Continental Airlines. Oh, my gosh. Have you seen their flight attendants? I mean, they they don't even know how to dress. I mean, the food is terrible. It's cold. Uh, You know, we waited in lines and everything. Continental Airlines, seriously, you're going to, where are you going to stay? We're staying at the Villa downtown rome oh my, we went there one time and it's like i mean have you looked on you know line and scene i mean their food is not good the pool's nasty and and all this stuff what, what are you going to do when you get there we're going among other things we're going to the vatican we're going to go see the pope oh my gosh you know you're not going to see the pope and even if you do he's up on that big portico it's like a mile away even if you get inside the vatican i mean you're just totally on and on and on this lady's like going she goes on a trip she gets back uh, a few weeks later, and goes in to see her header She goes, "Well, how was your trip to Rome? Oh my gosh, Rome was absolutely phenomenal. Rome was one of the beautiful, beautiful cities I've ever been in my life. I mean, amazing. The architecture. Oh well, yeah, what about your airline? I mean, surely <laughs> Continental messed that up. No, you know what? They overbooked the flight. See there? I told you they overbooked. No, no, no. Check it out. They overbooked the, the uh, overbooked the flights, and, and they called our name, and we got first class." What about the villa? Oh, my gosh. I mean, you were right. I mean, the villa at one time was just a mess, but they just underwent a $5 million restoration. Man, they got a new pool. They got these new chefs and sous chefs and, and I mean, the new rooms and furniture. Man, we walked in. We lived like kings that week. It was amazing. And the lady's just like going, what did, What about the Pope? I mean, surely there's something in there. I hold on. She goes, you, you won't believe this. We went into the Vatican, and this cardinal came out and, and said, look, you guys, there's been a lot of people coming in and out all day. We're about to shut the doors. And I usually just occasionally take the last family that walks in. And we bring them in to go meet the Pope and have dinner with the Pope. Are you kidding? And the lady's like going, what? You mean your flight was good? Rome was good? The villa's good? You met the Pope? What did y'all talk about? <laughs> she said, I don't know he, wanted, wanted know. he just wanted to know who did this terrible hairdo. So I'm. You see, there are just those people in the world. And when I'm stressed out and I'm worried and I'm broken, I don't understand what God's doing. Let me tell you something. Just maybe. Just maybe God is treating you like that eagle that treats her young. In Deuteronomy, early part of Deuteronomy, there's there's a stirring of the nest and maybe you're like those eaglets, and you're sitting in the warmth of that, the feathers and the down, and the warmth of that that place high up. Some of the some of the eagles' nests are over a ton in weight, and they're they're nests for life. They mate for life. There's a mama, there's a daddy eagle. Maybe you're like that, and you're sitting there, and you get saved and Everything's fine, and everything's cooking. But then the Bible says in Deuteronomy that she will flutter her wings, and she will move all of the feathers out of the nest, and and the prickly in the nest will force the little ones up to the edge, and they're standing there on the edge looking. over this cliff to their demise and she just takes her large wings and she just pushes them off. And that's where we stop. We stop right there, and we're tumbling head over heels off of this cliff of unknown and this stress and this worry. And then that mother eagle, she's sitting there, and that's why the Bible says, "Watch this." He will—they will mount up on wings of eagles because here's what she'll do: she'll see them falling, and she lets them fall, and then she drops down at a terminal velocity, 150 miles an hour. She swoops down and catches them on her back, on her wings, and the little talons of that eagle will grab onto those wings, and he'll, she'll take them up to the top. Put back in the nest can you imagine real story what happens with those eagles little eaglets so just what in the world and day after day after day she'll continue that same act until one day that little eaglet tumbling over his wings spread out and he catches a thermal pocket and he realizes he do not have to fall anymore that that mama really wasn't, wasn't hating him. That that mama eagle really wasn't, wasn't despising him. It wasn't getting tired of him. It wasn't pushing him out to his death, but was pushing him out to his flight. You see, I believe that's what God's doing with us today, the church. There's this fluttering. The Holy Spirit... The mighty wind of the Holy Spirit is pushing us out of our comfort zones and saying it's time. It's time to stand up. It's time to fly, church. Enough is enough of sitting in the warmth and the comfort of the church pew and saying, feed me, feed me. Hey, guess what? I will feed you. God will feed you. I'm equipping the saints today. But doggone it, when you get fed... Get out of the comfort of that seat. Get out of the comfort of that. Let me just be a Christian. Step out of the nest and watch yourself fly above the world's problems, the world's economy, and you step out on the port of life and say, I am a child of the King. I am flying now, and I want to share my faith, and I want to make Jesus' name famous today. It ain't enough. It ain't enough to just come. Every time you think about just coming, And I get that this is a dangerous statement. But I'd rather tell you the truth and challenge you to know that it's not enough just to come week in and week out. The Holy Spirit today, right now, is urging you to get out of that comfort of just everyday mundane, week-to-week faith that does nothing for the glory of God. And He might even push you today and say, Go to the altar. He might push you to the day and say, give your life to me. Philippians 2.13 said, it's God that works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. If there's any ounce of you urging to give your life to Jesus, to give your life over to preaching or to missionary work or or teaching or serving or or witnessing or just coming to the altar, it is not placed there by you, but only by the Holy Spirit of God. Philippians 1.6 says, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in me, guess what? He'll complete it. You just got to take one step. One step. It'll be life-changing for you and the people around it. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I'm telling you, church, under the authority of the Holy Spirit of God, that God is stirring the nest as I speak. He is stirring the nest right now where you sit, Will you get up and come to Him. You don't need a formal invitation. You just need to know that that's God's voice speaking to you. God is speaking to you, will you come? Will you answer him? Will you respond? Or will you just say no again and again and again? At some point, guys, his voice becomes mute. It becomes silent. Not because he's not speaking, but because you're not hearing him. You're not listening. What if today was the day, the last day you had to move and to respond under the stirring of the nest? But what if today is the day that as that mama eagle pushed that eaglet out and today was the day she would, he would soar on his own? You're stressed? Why don't you start, take a step out of the nest today. Come to Christ and say, no more, no more. No more am I giving myself over the devices of this enemy. No more am I believing his lies. I'm a child of the king. His lies no longer bother me, affect me. I resist you, Satan, by the mighty power of Jesus. And if I resist you, James 4:7 says, you will flee from me wonder will mamas and daddies, students down here on the front you come to Jesus today if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that right here right now would you pray with me from your heart to God right here right now say dear God in heaven I'm a sinner I believe in Jesus Christ and I want to ask Jesus to come into my heart Jesus forgive me of my sin save me help me to live for you until the day you call me home you prayed that prayer in faith right now without debate hesitation or thought lift your hand right now say i prayed god bless you ma'am anybody else lift it up high say i prayed and ask jesus god bless you ma'am and you say i prayed and asked jesus into my heart if you prayed and asked him into your heart right now i'm gonna boldly unapologetically say this right now every head bound every eye closed stand to your feet come down here meet one of our folks just for prayer that's all i'm asking you to do If you prayed and asked Christ in your heart, step out, come down, and let's receive prayer today. You don't have to say anything, not gonna point you out. But for the rest of you, I'm about to count to three. And when I say three, if God has in the least impressed upon you to come pray, to join the church, to take a step of faith, or just to come with your family and say, I refuse to sit in the comfort of that same place. Today I choose to fly. Today I choose to spread my own wings and to make a difference for the glory of God. On the count of three, I'm gonna ask you to stand and I challenge every one of you if God has prompted you to move to this place and let's pray together the doors of our church are open on count of three one two three stand to your feet and just start coming just start coming don't think about it students i challenge you you want to make a difference in your school come and pray and get a burden for your teachers get a burden for your school fields of faith that this week pike county every one of you are to be on your face and say god do something through our school system do something in a nation that we can still profess the hope found in christ on that field in public forum because if you don't they'll take that away from you too so why don't you come right now? I'm gonna stand right here. If God has spoken to your heart in any way, step out, come shake my hand, and turn and walk away. That's all I'm asking you to do today. It's more than I can stand. I'm melting your feet so Some of you still praying, but there's a young lady, Lisa. Wave your hand at me. It, there's a there's a lady that she knows that is having a little girl, a baby. She didn't have a baby bed. She didn't have anything, clothes, stuff like that. If somebody has something like that or knows something like that, I want you to just wave your hand at us again, sister. Go to her and say, Hey, I can hook you up. I'll take care of it. There's a need. We need we need to try to meet that. Amen. And if and if we don't find it in here, we're, we're going to take care of it. Has God spoken to you this morning? One more verse. The doors of our church are open. If God's calling you to be a part of our family or if God has just nudged you today, just, just nudged you, daddies, husbands,